You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was on his knees and he was praying right before he was going to the cross. And he was under so much stress and so much anxiety that he actually sweated blood. I'm sure many of you have heard that. He sweated blood. Now, this is going to happen medically. It's very rare for this to happen. But you have to be under so much stress for your body to actually sweat blood. Jesus felt anxiety. But that was not sin in itself. Because what he did was he overcame the anxiety by still doing the will of God. So I want us to distinguish between what is fear that leads to sin, what is sinful fear, and just the feeling of fear, but you're acting on faith. Because many times we think just the feeling is sin, right? Fear itself, if you're feeling afraid, that's not sin. It becomes sin, it becomes wrong when you allow it to defer you from the will of God. When you allow your fear to overcome you so your actions don't mount up to faith. Because that's what fear is meant to do. It's meant to keep you at bay. It's meant to paralyze you. It's meant to keep you in your house so you don't even want to go out and see people. You want to be around people. You're sick of people. You're afraid of even being in social circumstances. You're afraid of the most horrible thing that could ever happen. When you watch your life, your forecast for the week is a horror movie. You know, yesterday was Halloween, so that's my Sabbath. That's when I rest. That's when I don't answer the phone. That's when I'm sick of Facebook, and I don't care who likes what. So I'm relaxing in the afternoon. And the girls were in their room playing, and Natalie was catching up on The Walking Dead. Glenn ain't dead. She was catching up, so I said, what am I going to do? I'm flicking through the channels. And anyone remember the 1980s movie, It? Worst special effects in history. So I'm like, it's the afternoon. I usually don't watch horror movies, to be honest. I watched one that bugged me out so much that I said, that's it. This is messing with my head. I'm not meditating on this stuff. I watched a horror movie for a while, but this seemed more interesting. And I said, the special effects are so bad, it might not even count as a horror movie. So I'm watching this afternoon, it's daytime. I'm like, this is pretty interesting. I'm going to check this out. So I'm watching. It's like, remember it was a miniseries in the 80s? So this thing's four hours. I'm like two hours trying to figure out the story, what's going on. But then it gets about time where we're going to go all trick-or-treating with the kids. So I shut it off and I said, I- I'll catch up at night. Anyone realize a horror movie is more scary at night? <laughs> I was not afraid during the day. All of a sudden, everyone's in bed. And this bad special effects clown just bugging me out just a little bit. Ever notice when there's a horror movie, the house starts making noise? I'm like, oh, man, I don't like what's going on right now. So I'm getting And this one pop really bugged me out. And I actually shut it off at one point and then was watching basketball. I said, you know what? That was kind of exciting. I'm coming back to the, I'm going back to it. Let's do it. Stop being ridiculous, Joey. I heard something scratching at the door. Now, I don't know if it was my mind or a mouse, but then I started putting things together and saying, man, this is Halloween. Is someone trick-or-treating late? What's going on here? Next thing you know, I'm outside my house looking at the front door, checking things out. I'm like, if Natalie, because I wouldn't admit it, I said, if Natalie only knew that I was out here at 10.30 at night looking for a clown, Pennywise. I wasn't looking for a clown. I really thought something legit was outside. But what happened is, first of all, I shut it off. 
Because I said, I'll watch this during the daytime, but alone at night, for some reason, this is bugging me out. You might be all right with it at night. That's just me. I shut it off because it was affecting my actions. How foolish my neighbors might have looked out the, looked out the house and said, why is Pastor Joey walking out in front of his house looking at the front door? What is wrong with him? Do you see what happened there? My fear, me hearing stuff, is affecting the way I'm living my life. Now I'm doing foolish things. I'm acting the fool. Many of us, including myself, and I'm preaching myself, we allow fear to waste our life. How many days have we wasted worrying? How many people think that worry actually helps the situation? What did Jesus say? You can't add a hair to your head. You can't change anything. But for some reason, we feel like we can control the world with our mind just sitting there by worrying. It's a waste of time. When we allow fear to control our actions and keep us from the will of God, it's sin. But when we, even when we're afraid, because there's scary things in this world. I don't want to, there's dangerous things out there. There's scary things. Life situations change. You're in new territory and you start to get afraid. But that's when faith comes in. That's when your actions don't match your feelings. And you walk by faith. Just like Jesus going that cross. You don't think he felt anxious? Of course in his humanity he felt anxious. He was sweating blood, but he said, this is the will of God, my Father, and he is with me. And you hear him praying to his God, his Father, through the whole way on the way to the cross, and he's praying, and he's believing, even through the fear, and he endures, and he succeeds, and he accomplishes the gospel for us. Do you guys see that? You might have a valley of the shadow of death in your life that God's calling you to walk through. And it's extremely scary for you. Don't let the fear fear keep you from going through that valley. Because on the other side, the green pastures. On the other side is the glory of God. On the other side is the joy that you will find in God. So let's turn to Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, it's not every day we see shepherds and sheep, right? Anyone drive by any sheep? No. So what we need to do is we need to unpack what the relationship and the roles were of shepherds and sheep to understand this psalm. Usually, because David, who wrote the psalm, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd who spent many hours watching over the sheep, caring for the sheep, protecting the sheep. So the youngest usually was the shepherd. And we saw when Samuel came to anoint a king, David was in the field shepherding because he was the youngest and he was taking care of the sheep. So as David learned to be a shepherd, as he learned to care for the sheep, as he learned to protect the flock, what happened is he would do certain things for the sheep. He would lead them to green pastures. He would make sure, and this is interesting about shepherds, and Western culture does it different than Eastern shepherds because we're all about control in Western culture. 
We're all about busyness. We're all about drive. We're all about uh, push, push. And Eastern shepherds do it much differently. What they would do, Western shepherds would try to drive the sheep, hitting them. Come on, do this. Eastern shepherds would go ahead and they'd call with their voice to the, she- the sheep and the sheep would follow. You hear that language all the time when Jesus was speaking. My sheep hear my voice. So the shepherd, he knew his sheep so intimately that he'd call them and say, come on. And they'd follow him and they'd see him. He'd walk beside them sometimes too, not just in front. And if there were a few sheep straggling back, he'd go back and he'd speak gently to them and say, come on. And he'd lead to them, them to a place of greener pastures. Sheep can't find food on their own. Do you know that? Sheep are not the most intelligent beings on earth. They need, sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. You know that sheep won't drink running water or flowing water? They won't. That's why he's saying God leads him beside still waters because the shepherds, when they led them to the water, they would have to make a dam in the stream to still the water because the sheep couldn't drink. They couldn't restore their soul if their shepherd did not make a dam which would still the waters so they could drink from those waters. So David would make dams for his sheep to make still waters and he'd lead his sheep there. And that's why he said, he leads me beside still waters. Sheep cannot find their own way, their own path. They will just walk into the woods. It's like, <laughs> bah. 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 Just lost in the woods. Just lost in the woods. Just nowhere. They'll keep walking. Sheep ever known if one goes off the cliff, the other one just be like, <laughs> all off the cliff. There's video out there. Sheep, there, boom, boom, boom. No shepherd. They'll walk right off a cliff. So the shepherd has to lead them on paths that lead to life and restores their soul because if not, the sheep will get lost. And sometimes the sheep gets lost, and what does a good shepherd do? He leaves the flock, and he runs, and he gathers that sheep that got lost because they will wander. They will go everywhere. They're not the most intelligent creatures. Sheep are not fast. A predator will take out a sheep, no problem. You ever seen a sheep attack? Because they don't. They need someone to protect them. And that shepherd, what David would have... He'd have a rod, and it had a knob on the end. Usually it was made out of oak, and you'd take things out. There were wolves, there were lions, there were bears. David talks about he had to take a lion and a bear out once, just protecting his sheep. They had a slingshot that these brothers could operate like a 9 millimeter. They'd drop that, they'd throw anything in it, and just, just knocking off predators. And they had the staff with both with the guidance and protection. So this is how David grew up as a shepherd, taking care of this flock, caring for the sheep. When he got older, he realized there was a role reversal. And this is what I want you guys to hear. He realized that God was the shepherd and he was the sheep. He was the lamb. He was the one who needed to be cared for. See, we sometimes think we're the shepherd and that's where the anxiety comes. When you try to shepherd your own life, you're going to be like a sheep in the wood. <laughs> just lost. You're going to be open to attack and predators and you're not going to be able to get drink to restore your soul and you can't find food to fill your soul. When you act like a shepherd, you're going to be absolutely anxiety ridden. But when you realize you're a sheep and God's guiding you and caring for you, then you're at peace. Sheep are dependent creatures. They need a shepherd. We are dependent creatures. We need our God to shepherd us. 
When we act like a shepherd, that's where fear will live. When you recognize your sheep being dependent on God, then faith arises and you're free of anxiety. There will be a season of life for many of you that God is calling you to walk through some scary things. He's calling you, and it's, it's new terrain, and it's scary, and it's unknown. And most of us hate change, right? If you're like me, I don't even like changing restaurants. Never mind seasons of life. God is calling you to something new. He's calling you to what you look at, the valley of the shadow of death. And you need to see, not your own strength, you need to see that your shepherd is with you. See, my daughter Kara sometimes and Talia used to do the same thing. At night, after we put her in the bed sometimes, she'd run in the room to give, you know, extra kisses, extra hugs, to talk about something at 10.30 at night. You have no idea why she's talking about it then. But what happens when she gets in the room, she realizes that it's dark all the way back to her room. And she looks. My, I got a small house, so you can see the bedroom. But she's next to my bed, and we're like, Kara, she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too dark. I can't make it. And you're looking. I'm like, that's 11 feet. That's 11 feet. Try to explain that to a six-year-old. This, you say, there's, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be all right. You've done it 500,000 times. You're going to be all right. Talia's on the other side. It's going to be all right. Do you think that helps? I can't do it. <coughs> <coughs> that got me. <coughs> you know the only thing? Wow. You know, the only thing, I'm not afraid. The only thing that will help her go into that other room if I'm with her. If I say, okay, I'm going to go with you. If I get up and I hold her hand and I say, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. In a six-year-old mind, that's the valley of the shadow of death. I pray you show me grace during the time I need water. What we need to hear today is just like a six-year-old. When you're looking at that season in your life that seems so anxious, you you realize that the shepherd is with you. That will change anything. Like I could tell you seven steps not to be anxious. I could tell you to eat vegetables. I could tell you to exercise four times a week. I give all this self-help stuff to you. You know what happens? We're still anxious. I'll give you that eight in, eight out, right? All the breathing things you can do. For some reason, you end up being, man, I'm still anxious. I, they're lying to me. But if you know that God is with you, if you know that he's the shepherd that had his rod and his staff, that's what brings you comfort. That's why David said, God, your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. The fact that God is with you through the valley of the shadow of death in your life will bring you comfort in anything you're going through. Do you know that's a real place from Jerusalem to Jericho, the valley of the shadow of death? It was a place that all shepherds feared. Not the shepherds feared so much, but they were a little more aware and sober-minded because they would have to leave their flock through this valley. It was a valley with high cliffs. And you know who would hide hide in those cliffs? Robbers. Robbers would hide in those cliffs, and it was a rocky terrain, and you would have to lead your whole herd through that terrain. And they'd wait, 
and then steal herds of sheep in the valley of the shadow of death. Now imagine if the sheep just kept looking at those cliffs. What would that cause you to feel? Anxiety. A lot of sheep would have been looking at that valley and running the other way. Who were they looking to and why was their fear alleviated? The shepherd. These sheep trusted their shepherd so much that they didn't even fear in the valley of the shadow of death. It's because of the relationship they had. A shepherd in sh- the, with the sheep, the relationship was intimate. Like, you know how you guys, I would love to have a dog, but I have allergies. Some of you have had dogs, and you love your dogs. You call them by names. You get them Halloween costumes. They get special haircuts. You know what's going on. These shepherds would name their sheep like pets. They would know every sheep. They would know the calls. There's a, there's a story of this one Syrian shepherd where <clears throat> he actually knew the call of every little lamb that had a mom, and he could put them with each mom if they blindfolded them. That's how good the shepherd was. That's a top notch. That's elite shepherding right there. They gave each sheep a name, and they cared for the sheep. It was personal. There's another story of a shepherd who, <clears throat> there were certain fields that were forbidden to eat on, like grain fields that other people owned, and there was a short little narrow path. And this one shepherd single-handedly, all his sheep trusted him so much that he led 150 sheep through this narrow path and not one of them ate from the forbidden grain. Doesn't God try to do that in our life sometimes? Saying you're going through this tough territory. That's forbidden, that's forbidden, that's forbidden. If you don't trust them, you're just going to be eating stuff. But they trusted their shepherd so much that they went through that narrow path and said, that's not for me, that's not for me, that's not for me. We're going to greener pastures. It's the relationship that keeps you from fear. The shepherd are also very playful with his sheep. Like they have all kind of games, an intimate relationship. Any relationship you have, there has to be a time to have fun, right? Shepherds, we even have fun with the sheep. There's games where they, they pretend like they run away from the sheep and the sheep would like bombard them and jump in joy. This is like an intimate relationship that was built between the shepherd and sheep. So any opportunity where they were going through a tough time or a fearful time, the sheep were at peace because they were looking at the shepherd. And too many times we look at our fear. We look at the worst case scenario. How many people have lived the worst case scenario over and over again in your mind? To the point you actually lived it and you're just sitting in your living room. You're living all those emotions. You're all stressed out. You know what you're looking at? You're looking at the cliffs. You're looking at the robbers. You're looking at the terrain. You're looking at, you're trying to be independent when you're a dependent being. That is going to bring mass anxiety into your life. Now, change will bring a lot of anxiety. A lot of people don't change because of fear. And God's calling you grow and mature. And because you're afraid, you won't change. There was a time I had to go to a new church. And if I'm honest with you guys, I might hate change more than anyone in this room. Legit. Like, I want to be with the same people at the same place same schedule. <coughs> you try to change stuff on me, I'm like, you can't do that because that messes with my rhythm. And my rhythm, it becomes like superstitious. You ever see those brothers get off the bat and they got to hit everything just to get a hit? We do that in our life. We're like, okay, I got to leave at this time. I got to do this at time. The bagel has to be toasted by this time. I got to call it this time. We get all these superstitious things and we think the superstition in the rhythm is actually protecting us when it's not. So I had to go to a new environment where my rhythms were messed up. 
Well, my role, well, I had to be absolutely dependent on God. It was my sending church, Seven Mile Road, our sending church. I can't tell you the anxiety. They called me to a members meeting, right? Where they wanted to introduce me to the congregation. I was driving to that members meeting, and I was trying to look tough. I was ready to throw up. I started like, you know when the air gets real thick? I was like, I thought all of a sudden the oxygen level went down in here. I felt like I'm going to have an asthma attack. I'm going to throw up. I'm like, all this kind of anxiety hit me. And you know what your first response is, anxiety? I'm not doing this. How many people fear has kept you back from doing things you know you're supposed to do? Because that's the tactic. You know what I did? I'm saying, I'm going to throw up right in this meeting. I'm going to this meeting. You've got to get ferocious like that sometimes. I'm serious. Because fear is telling you, I'm going to throw up. Uh, like all these, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. That's what's going to happen. I'm going up there. Everyone thinks I'm okay and I'm going down. You have to be okay. If you're going to pass out, it's going to be all right. I'm serious. I said, if I'm going down there, pick me up. I went to this meeting. Everything was fine. The first Sunday I had to go to that church, I felt such a resistance with fear that I didn't know if I was going to make it through the door. My wife remembers that. I said, Natalie, until I got through that door and I walked through that, my life, that was a valley for me because there was so much change. Now God has me here. He had to bring me through the valley of the shadow of death to defeat fear so you land in greener pastures. I would have never been able to do what God called me to do. You think I like preaching in front of people? I've shared this with you guys. There's one fear. People would rather die than speak in front of people. That was me when I felt called to preach. Like my eye would be like this, and I'd be like, and I felt like there was five, there was 10 people in the room, and I thought there was 5,000 people watching me. That's how much anxiety I felt. And I'm like, there's no way I am called to preach. There's too much fear there. But God will use places where you are weakest, when you depend on him in faith, he will take away that fear and use you for his glory and to be a light in the world. Do you guys hear that? Secondly, some of you are afraid when it, uh, when it comes to money. And this is important because Jesus spoke to this in Matthew 6 because people are always afraid of money and it makes them act in all kinds of crazy ways. Fear drives a lot of people when it comes to money. And Jesus said this, don't seek the money first. And I want you guys to hear this, because Boston's all kinds of messed up when it comes to money. Like you get up on Monday morning, people just running around, it's all because of money. Don't seek first that green, don't seek the lettuce first. Seek the kingdom of God first, and God will add all things onto you. Never wake up and say, I got to provide for myself. Say, God's going to provide me I'm gonna, for me. I'm going to work. And all these things are going to happen. God is going to provide for you in, way, in ways you can't imagine. You know, when I went full-time, there's people who randomly call me up, have lunch, and give me money. And I don't ask for it. Because they're like, this dude ain't making no loot. <laughs> they really say that. And all of a sudden, people are writing checks and giving money and saying, I appreciate the faith you have, and I want to help you out. That's happened consistently to me. Because I'm not seeking money first. When you seek money first, you'll be anxious as anxious can be because it's, it's not about the money. Because what you're doing is you're trying to be the shepherd. You're being a shepherd that's just hoarding, hoarding. When you're a sheep and you can trust the shepherd, he will trust you. Look to the shepherd. He will provide for you financially. Some of you worry about shelter. Where am I going to live and all these kind of things. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. 
He said, look at the birds of the field. No, look at the flowers of the field, how beautiful they are and how the birds, how they're clothed. God is going to take care of you. We really need to hear that because the world is telling you, eat or be eaten. The world is telling you that you've got to provide for yourself. The world is telling you to be a shepherd. And God's telling you to be a sheep. And anxiety can't live in a place when you're sheep. You know, the first time I ever went to church when I was a boy, I was a very nervous kid. I've always been nervous because I felt like I had to protect myself. Like, there was so much brokenness, I felt no one... I was walking to school in kindergarten in East Boston as a five-year-old. You know, like, I was, I was taking care of myself since I was a kid. Like, when you went out when I was a kid, you went out. You were your own person. Like, three years old, you saw these, you know. You did your thing. You took care of yourself, man. I was just walking the streets. So I developed this instinct that I've got to take care of myself. And I remember the first time I was like five or six, I went to church for the first time. And it was so different than the world that I was in. Like, I, in the world I was in, I was felt eat or be eaten, you got to man up. You got to be protective. You got to be intimidated. Like all these things. And all of a sudden I was in a setting where the flock, a bunch of sheep came together and were seeing the God and were dependent on him. And that was totally different for me. And I realized I was a nervous kid. And the fact that I was in an environment where people were being dependent on God, it alleviated my fear. And that's the, one of the things that I love about church so much is that it's the time when God's sheep come together and our fears don't rule. It's the time when God's sheep come together and they say, we're absolutely dependent on you. Because we forget that during the week, don't we? You wake up Monday morning, it's like, I've got to depend on me. But when you come together with God's people and you're singing to God, does anyone have a lot of anxiety when you're in church unless they're saying something that you feel convicted about? <laughs> no. It's like, God is so good. God is present. This is why David said, through all this, he said, he looked at the future and said, I'm going to dwell in your house forever. There's no reason to fear the future because your future is with God and he is with you. So I want to read you what Jesus said about himself in John 10, 11 through 18. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Uh, Is that beautiful scripture right there? How many people live your life that the first wolf's going to come, Jesus is going to take off? How many people think there's stuff dangerous enough out there that God's not going to cover you? You do not worship. Our Savior is not a hired hand. He loves us intimately. 
and he knows us deeply. And anything that comes against you in life, he is going to fight and protect you with his rod and his staff. That's the metaphorical, poetic language used right there. Do you feel like there's a shepherd that's fighting over you like that? Like David would say, God puts his angels charge over me, lest I dash my foot against a stone. He said, God even spiritually puts angels that guard my life. I'm a shepherd that watches you and guards you and protects you. Live with that type of protection. You can't, sheep are not intelligent. You're not even going to get away from God. You know how people like to scare you, the preacher? Don't leave the flock. God get you. The shepherd's not going to let the wolf get you. The shepherd's not going to let this life destroy you. He said, not one will be taken out of my hand. How many of us can attest to the fact that God's pursued us and tracked us down even when we're trying to get away? Can I get an amen? You can't get away from this shepherd. You're out in the woods. You're trying to get away. You see that shepherd coming, grabbing you. Come on. I love you. I'm with you. I'm protecting you. That's why David said, mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Mercy and goodness has followed us. Not fearful, horrible things. Mercy and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. So that's how you overcome fear. Some of you don't back down in the season of fear. God's calling you to something. He's bringing you to greener pastures. Keep going forward. He's got a plan for your life. He loves you. He knows you by name. There's no reason to be anxious because God's your protector. Let's pray.